Angela Albin has a Winter Park-based company called Symmetry. What they do is they create prosthetics and realistic anatomic models for the military and for other commercial partners. Uh, we talked to her a little bit about the Orlando startup scene, and here's what she had to say. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Starting Up Florida. This is a weekly look at startups in uh, Florida. So far, it's been only in Orlando, so um, so far, so good. But today, we are joined by Angela, who is a, I've, I've met several times. Talk, talk a little bit about yourself. This is Symmetry, yes. correct? Talk, yeah. Give me a little background on, on the company. Um, so I grew up in this area, and I uh, came back from college and wanted to set you know up shop here. Um, went to UCF and got a graduate degree in computer engineering and then um, worked in modeling simulation and training for most of my early career until I decided to start my own business. And uh, like you know, we've, um, we started back in 2009 and are, it's now what, 2018? Yeah. 10 yeah. years, almost 10 years. Yeah, my, uh, my dream was to have 10 uh, employees by now and we have 15. There you go. Um, and... Uh, just working hard to keep those fifteen employed. Right. Well, tell me. Tell me. I mean, you. You. Uh, you you're not yet talking about this because this. This to me was very fascinating and a little bit gross the first time I got here. But like, what? What do you guys do? What does Symmetry do? So we uh, we specialize right now, and that's one of the things we're starting to try to evolve and grow into different markets. But we specialize in med- anatomical models for medical training. Mm-hmm. Some of these are interactive, some of these are uh, static, meaning that they don't do much, but uh, more and more we've, in, we've started embedding sensors as well as obviously fluids and things like that, and so you can interact with these body parts and uh, have an experience of performing a particular procedure. Uh, for the most part, it's all been work that's been funded by the DOD, mm-hmm. and these are life-saving procedures or critical procedures that are used uh, within the DOD and, and where they don't have proper ways to train. Mm-hmm until the day comes that you actually have a patient. And so, um, you know, that's that's pretty risky, as you can imagine. And, and the models and mannequins and technologies that exist today are insufficient to provide some of that fidelity. And so we specialize in that. We are trying to uh, grow the company into adjacent markets mm-hmm. and take advantage or leverage our capabilities in the engineering side um, to include sensor technology, right. software, and everything to start looking at other opportunities for us to grow. Our passion is definitely medical training, mm-hmm. but our uh, I think what's going to be our bread and butter moving forward is just technology. Well, I, you know, I, I mentioned I, I talk about it being gross or whatever, but it's very important. This is this is real serious training that a lot of it is military mm-hmm. medics are learning how how to uh, you know be you know learn what they have to do to save save lives. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you talk a little bit about the the trying to expand into different markets now. I mean, what's that like as a as a startup as an early company to kind of you kind of look at what you do and say, okay, this could apply to this other area. What, what's that like? So I think it might, it probably depends from entrepreneur to entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, there are two opportunities for growth for Symmetry. One is actually commercializing the products that we're developing. We get funding from the Department of Defense to develop these things, but uh, it's well within our rights and actually to the benefit of the DOD if we commercialize and start selling or mass producing mm-hmm. these things. So that's one of the avenues that we're pursuing now. Um, and looking at restructuring the way that we think in our culture. Right now, we obviously don't, well, not obviously, but we don't have an inside sales force. We mm-hmm. don't have an outside sales force. And in order to commercialize and sell products, you have to have those things. So we're uh, working on uh, figuring out what those channels are going to be mm-hmm. and how they're going to weave into what we do now. Um, and then the second opportunities, like I mentioned, kind of taking a step back and or 
uh, a step back and becoming more generalized. Mm -hmm. And so taking advantage of the engineering capabilities that we have, the agility, because we're a small business, the rapid prototyping. Mm -hmm. And so instead of just talking and focusing about medical training or anatomical models, we can look at other things where we can fill gaps for other companies. Uh, we also have positioned ourselves to do business within the Department of Defense by uh, getting some different certifications that make it more appealing to some of these right. larger companies to come to us or when we go to them for them to uh, be intrigued and want to actually partner. How daunting is it? I mean, you know, when you... When you well, so so yeah. one thing you know about me, because we know each other uh, yeah. from the past, or not the past, but we've known each other for yeah. a while, is that my number one job in life is to be a mom. Mm. So the way, when I mentioned that different entrepreneurs do these things differently, um, for me, I have to be very strategic about the use of my time, because my number one job beyond anything is being a mom. So I can't um, work 24-7. Um, I do, but I have to split that between motherhood and, and business, right? So uh, for me, the lowest hanging fruit is DOD because mm -hmm. I know the DOD. I know how to do business with the DOD. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a knack to that, and it's taken time to develop that. For me to uh, step out and say that I'm going to start produce, uh, pursuing work in the IT field with uh, the um, Orange County Expressway Authority right, right. or uh, the Aviation Authority, all these things, that would be too far of a, a leap for me at this time unless I were to find a partner mm -hmm. that could make that a little bit more streamlined pursuit. Right, right. So um, you have to, in my case, I have to be selective. At the same time, I also know that in some ways I'm more of a throttled back kind of entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, the metrics and the benchmarks that I set are commensurate with what my lifestyle choices right. are. Well, it's interesting because I think a lot, a lot of uh, uh, entrepreneurs, I mean, uh, especially um, the the either new ones or young ones. I mean, they're they're working eight thousand hours a week and that kind of thing, right? And I I know a lot of times uh, you end up I I see some who burn out quickly because it's not it's not an easy lifestyle. Um, for you though, you're making a conscious decision to say I need to I want to spend. I mean, tell me tell me. There's also other aspects like yeah. financial aspects, right? So unlike maybe some of the more traditional startups. Again, I have to be strategic um, until recently. I mean, I'm about to get married, but prior mm -hmm. to that, I've been a single mom. So in my household, I'm sole breadwinner. And I can't, um, you know, uh, eat up my credit cards and, right. and right. do all these things that the typical, I, I don't take those risks. Right. Um, I'm strategic about how I invest our internal money for either uh, pursuing proposals or developing new technologies on our own in such a way that I, I have a probably higher probability of, of win, if you will, mm -hmm. on our end. Um, some of the startups that you know have been famous over the years and have started in a garage and all of that have probably been a little bit more in the risk taker mode, and I, right. I'm not that way. Right. I can't be. In my case, you mentioned the DoD. I mean, that's. I mean, can you talk a little bit about the contract uh, experience and then how? how uh, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure this is how it works. I mean, you guys see the the offers, the the RFPs, and, and then you, you dig through them, see which ones you could um, uh, possibly land, and then you put your bid in, right? Mm -hmm. And then you say this is. A, how much we, you know we're looking to get, and this is what we would give you. I mean, talk about that process. Well, there's a whole. I mean, there's a whole science to it, and yeah. honestly, when you have the higher uh, or you have a higher probability of win if you start working the opportunity early on, mm -hmm. uh, before it's even out for bid, if yeah. you will. And do you just hear that through circles and that kind of thing, or is yeah, well, they, they do advanced okay. advanced budget and planning kind of briefings right. and things like that. You have to have ongoing relationships with people within the DOD government offices that you know and so you kind of have an idea of where they're headed mm -hmm. that kind of information is extremely important for a small business because then I can plan that little bit of seed money that I have to prepare for that whether it be in finding the right team to get onto or whether right. I prepare to be the prime uh, there's just a lot of early on stuff that you do in the capture process 
But really, uh, the, the part that's been the biggest challenge for me is, as a techie, mm-hmm. I find that most of us are introverted. Right, right. Um, we're not all natural salespeople. And so I've had to overcome that personal, you know, I need to, needed to grow in that way in order right. to be able to sell myself in the right way. And you have to sell yourself not just to the government, but also to potential partners ahead of time. Right. Um, sometimes you can land something last minute, and, and, you know, there's certainly the case where that happens, but for the most part, you have to start doing that early and invest. In our case, I was a one-shop one stop, right? Mm-hmm. So when I started and I told you I was a consultant early on, um, I, I needed to get away from that. So the first step was for me to brand the company as a company and have it be a, a capability that we brought to bear, right. not just Angela Albin having this experience and she delivers. And so that, that was a process. Mm-hmm. You have to do that uh, because you have to make sure that the government is secure in the fact that what they're buying is, you know, they're going to get what they're right. they're going to get you to deliver what you've promised to deliver. And how diff? Uh, I, I don't want to put put it uh, a certain way. It was it difficult. I mean, being a woman in tech in general, mm-hmm. um, it, it, you look at all the numbers and, and they're just not there compared to to men. But mm-hmm. like, I imagine in the defense industry, even even possibly more so. And what's what's that been like for you to kind of navigate? Um, so early on in my career, it was extremely um, daunting. I yeah. think and intimidating. Because I, I started, for whatever reason, even though I am an introvert, compared to some of my colleagues early on, I was um, it intrigued me more. The business side intrigued me mm-hmm. more than the tech side. And I became a good translator. So between customer and my engineering team, I kind of became that translator in the middle. And that helped me evolve more into the business side. Um, but whenever I would walk into a room, it was, and I used to joke about this, it's a bunch of men in right. blazers. Right. And they all know each other. They've all served in the military together, all of those things. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, um, I'm not outspoken. And so, right. um, but I do absorb a lot. And from a very early age, humility, I think, has been the um, key to my success mm-hmm. in that regard. Because when in this, those situations, I just sit and just absorb, listen. And slowly over time, people get to know you and, right. and you develop their trust. Um, it's still, I would say that it's there are more women mm-hmm. um, today than there were in the past, but there's still not enough. And uh, that can be, you know, um, challenging, but I find, I, you know, overall, we've talked about this yeah, before, yeah. I haven't had any issues that make me angry. Over time, has it made it easier, too, as you get to know everybody? I still care. The, yeah. I don't care. Whereas, <laughs> right. like, when I was 22 and would walk into a conference and everyone around me was wearing a blue blazer and I'd have to get up and present my you know, paper. Mm-hmm. Um, now I don't even look, I don't even look at that. It's kind yeah. of like my kids, my, co- my kids are colorblind. Right. And right. Um, they're gender blind too, you right. know, so um, you just evolve in that way. It's, I think a lot of it has to do with you developing over time as an, as an adult, mm-hmm. evolving. And probably in my case, I was, um, even though I was very mature and responsible, there's a different kind of like social maturity mm-hmm. that I didn't develop until later. And as you become more mature and more self-confident or more comfortable in your skin, yeah, I, I don't even care. I don't even well, know. talk to me a little about the beginning because you said um, you know you had been a consultant uh, in the in the field. I mean, when you first, what what at what moment did you say, all right, let's let's go after this other. This other what, what what got you to where you are today? Where you're staying? Oh, well, bunch I, of mannequins I'd always yeah. I used to always want to have my own business, but yeah. I, I thought I was going to be a physician, and so I thought that was my business. 
Um, and then, I mean, that was always something in the back of my mind from early childhood. Do you childhood. have a medical degree? Or, or, no, okay. no, no, I fainted the sight of blood. <laughs> well, uh, I'm not joking. It's a bad trait for a yeah. physician. Yeah, so that's why it, I found that out yeah. in college. And um, But I, want, I still like being around it. And so, more importantly, though, I enjoy making things. Mm-hmm. So that's where the engineering stuff happened. What was your question again? <laughs> I said, uh, you know, where, where did you start? Oh, like, the like, business yeah. part, yeah. yeah. So when I... Um, <laughs> I was working for a small business, um, doing very, uh, doing a, a very light version of what we do here today, mm-hmm. and um, he basically uh, mismanaged the business in such a way that uh, I was my employment was at risk, mm-hmm. as well as the employment of, of our employees. And uh, so I said, you know what? I think I can do this myself. And that's and I had already wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. I knew how. I had learned from him all the experience prior to that. Doing other things gave me the confidence. At the time, I was still married, so. Yeah. Um, and I also found a great mentor that said that he would back me up financially if, if I fell into bad. Well, how you know, old were you at this time? Uh, 2009. I yeah. was born in 73. What is that, 36? 36, yeah. 36. 36. Okay. Um, you know, and, and this was your first entrepreneurial yes. thing yeah. at 36. I mean, how do you make, how do you make that decision at 36? Uh, I wanted to be able to have, uh, be in control of my own destiny. Yeah. I didn't yeah. enjoy... Uh, that experience with that particular small business. I didn't enjoy having to tell employees we may not be able to make payroll tomorrow. Yeah, it was that um, dire. Huh? It was that dire. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, no, yeah. And so I didn't enjoy that. Um, and uh, like I said, I had we had double income at the time, yeah. So, um, and I couldn't take a risk. I've never uh, been a risk taker when it comes mm-hmm. to my kids. You right, know? right. Um, and then as time, you know, I that's back when I was working. Actually, as a consultant, I worked more hours probably <laughs> than I do now. Um but it was already, I mean, I even talked to my first client, it's Wayman. Yeah, yeah. And when he and I talked, I said, I've been thinking about starting my own business, I don't know. Um, Wayman Armstrong is an yeah. engineering and computer simulations, also here in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also one of my favorite entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. So um, I mentioned to him what I was planning, and he said, well, come and consult for us until mm-hmm. you get your business started and get enough like, you know, credibility to then start pursuing work directly. And I did it with that understanding. And ever since then, we've, we work in parallel. We never, we never work in competition. And in fact, we collaborate back and forth. Um, So that's an example of one of the things that I would like you to at least uh, consider highlighting at some point is the entrepreneurial ecosystem that exists in Orlando Outside of uh, Orlando Tech Association right. downtown, it's the more mature businesses that have been around forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barbara Stankowski is another one that's been a wonderful mentor, um, and her company's name is Amptis. Mm-hmm. She's um, retired Navy captain and, and has been in the business probably uh, 15, 20 years. Wayman's been in the business 20 years. Uh, there are a bunch of people in this city that will give you a hand up in that regard right. and, and want to see you grow. Um, and as long as you do well by them, they will do well by you. What, so. what was, uh, you know, <laughs> stripping all, all the, uh, you know, the formalities, like, what was it like when you, when you first got a contract and, you, and, you know, somebody else kind of validated that what you were doing was important? Yeah. What's that that, that like? was, that, and it still is to this day yeah. whenever I get a new one. Um, so I, you'd probably know this because we're friends on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So my parents came to this country illegally in 1978 with us. So mm-hmm. we all came and overstayed our tourist visa. Um, from where? Uh, Columbia. Mm-hmm. From Columbia. So I was five. And for an illegal immigrant to get a DOD document that you have to sign, and it's a contract, a binding contract, <laughs> it's it's overwhelming. I mean, right. I still get goosebumps when I get one. Um, and so, yeah, no, it, it was... Uh, 
uh, humbling, humbling to think that I had come that far. Right. And at the time, had you how many people did you have with, with you? The first time, I think it was uh, me and my brother and another <laughs> and person that did part-time work for us. Um, and my brother's been with us ever since. He He's filled in in um, different capacities, sometimes yeah. part-time, sometimes full-time. Um, now he's actually our CFO. So uh, he manages the business. Well, I'm not going to ask you to say anything embarrassing or anything like that, but when it, the dollar number of it, like when you see the dollar, because contra- DOD contracts aren't, they don't mess around. Yeah. Um, there are some big ones. I mean, uh, you know, when you saw the dollar amount, and what was that like for you? Well, you- having, I mean, so as an engineer, that's the part where, uh, uh, how do I say it? Uh, numbers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is an engineering thing. Mm-hmm. It's not an emotional thing. So when I see the contract see. number, I've put in the what we call a work breakdown structure, and I've built up that estimate of work and labor that it just that's not overwhelming mm-hmm. um, because I know. And in fact, I'm like shit. Oh, excuse me. That's okay. Um, Trust I hope, me, <laughs> um, we're raw. <laughs> I hope we could actually deliver and not lose money. Right. So I think about it in a more practical, logical sense. Yeah, that's where that logical side comes in. Um, I mean, it's. Yeah, I mean, the first time was every time it's been bigger, and it's large sums of money. But I also have to employ people and maintain facilities right. and infrastructure to support that. And I, it sounds it sounds inflated if you look at it on paper at yeah. first glance. But when you know what it takes to get you know right uh, to get those things to happen and make those things happen, then it's not that. Why? Why? Um, you know, why do you why do you keep doing it? I mean, the, this is the, to me like what I've always loved about entrepreneurs. Doesn't matter if I was in the Midwest or here. <clears throat> there's a common trait of um, tenacity. I'm not kissing your ass here. I'm just saying, like, in general, uh, you, know, you know, you know that what you're doing is going to work, right? Now, we know the realities of that is that many do not, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but when you go through this and you, go, and you see how you're uh, progressing, and I mean, what, what keeps you coming back? What keeps you going like, when it, to uh, be an entrepreneur? So early on, it was about... Um sustaining my uh, household, mm-hmm, right? And mm-hmm. uh, especially after the divorce, I'm like, wow, now yeah. this is the real deal. This is the shit's hitting the fan. Yeah. Um, that was the first part. But as I started hiring uh, employees, more employees, and most of our employees <coughs> are either, uh, not most of some have been uh, literally family, yeah. um, and the rest are family and continue to be so. And so, you know, every Christmas we have a company banquet kind of thing mm-hmm. um, somewhere and the entire family comes with the employee mm-hmm. and that's part of you know that's what drives me so I've been thinking lately about I used to think oh, I'll never leave symmetry I'll just you know retire right, right. my children are probably not going to go into <laughs> STEM related fields as much as that would be fun um, it's actually kind of cool that it's not that that's not the case um, so I don't think that they would necessarily inherit the beast in mm-hmm. that way um, but it, what keeps me going now is the employees right. it's, and keeping them employed. This is a, um, one thing that I, I have always wanted to do because my parents, at least during the time that I was cognizant of it, uh, did not have ideal employment, uh, as you can imagine, as an yeah. illegal immigrant. Yeah. And when they did get to a point where they did, they weren't always in the best situations and socially and just you know within the office, if you will. So that's one thing I strive to do. Is our corporate culture is is I mean the the hashtag here is family first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not the bottom line. It's not how many more can we sell. That's you know it's about keeping people happy, and that means you know you have to be able to feel happy with your family as well. I so. need, I want you to go back to a couple firsts for you, um, and this is uh, you know first of all, I, I'd be I'd be interested to talk or to hear about what it was like to hire your first employee that wasn't family, right? 
Um, can you talk to me about that? I mean, because you're, you're exactly what you're talking about now, essentially. It was the beginning of you saying, like, oh, shit, okay, I'm responsible now for this yeah. person. Like, what was, what was that like when you hired your first? So the biggest uh, one that I, that I can remember, not the biggest, but yeah. uh, the one that is most memorable in a sense in terms of me taking that weight on my shoulders uh, is our special effects director, mm-hmm. uh, uh, special effects engineer, Barry Anderson. He uh, was the special effects, or, or the art department director at Ripley's. Mm-hmm. I think you met Barry yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Barry is well known in his field, uh, but he purposely decided to stay here uh, and in Winter Park, mm-hmm. of all places. And our paths crossed uh, back when I was at the previous company. And so when I made the call and said, Barry, I'm ready. I have work for you now, and it's full time. I knew I was bringing on Barry mm-hmm. and his wife and his son. Right, right. right. And, you know, Barry's a sole breadwinner, and Barry needs benefits, and Barry needs sustainable employment. So that was probably the most, and and at the same time, humbling. Scary as shit, but humbling. Um, And then I, you know, it continued. It was out of need. I needed to bring people. And uh, Cheryl came on board. um, And then when I hired Ed, so Ed is still with us. He's our chief engineer. And uh, (laughs) I hired him away from a company that... uh, it's a large company, mm-hmm. and he had been with them for 16 years or so. Um, but we've been best friends since I graduated from college and started working at the same company where he was at. Yeah. And he was about he is about six years older than I am, so he was my mentor. Right, right. So hiring my mentor, <laughs> again, he has a wife and three children. You know, that kind of I cried the day that Eddie said yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, it overwhelmed me. Well, you look at um, you know when you talk about the when you, when you talk about that Barry, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think I think uh, a radio podcast or whatever or internet podcast, whatever, whatever the hell this is going to live, is just um, it's hard to really illustrate what you do, mm-hmm. right? Because we're sitting here right now, and across the room from me are a couple of mannequins with like bloodied up, look that look they look bloody. Um, but there's a real, uh, to me, it was amazing. The first time we, we, we chatted, I believe, um, when you mentioned Barry. And to mm-hmm. me, it was just a, it was one of those moments where I'm like, well, well, yeah, of course. Why wouldn't you have someone like that mm-hmm. in this capacity, mm-hmm. especially in Central Florida? Um, is, talk, is there a, a bridge or is there a connection between, you know, the special effects community here, which is amazing because of the Disney's, right, and the Universal's and all the theme parks, um, and companies like this. I mean, talk about that. The, oh, there's the, a huge, yeah. so we call it, and it was our tagline, and we're still, um, regardless of where we go, mm. in terms of uh, capabilities or new markets, our tagline is innovation through art and science. Mm-hmm. I think it's up there, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So, um, I can confirm I'm looking at it, she's not lying. <laughs> so um, that's, that's actually the secret sauce for mm-hmm. us, right? So we take um, that uh, experience that Barry has, probably yeah. 40 years as a professional artist, and um, probably 75% of that time has been in special effects. Yeah. Uh, started doing special effects when he was like seven or eight in his neighborhood, you know, <laughs> scaring kids and all that. Um, and he has evolved and um, now as an adult, if you will, and I do air quotes, right. you know, he's applying that uh, craft to something so meaningful. Um, and uh, he, I mean, we've, I've been with Barry uh, in the presence of soldiers uh, that are, you know, combat medics mm-hmm. and such, and where they are so, pre- I mean, it, it just touches Barry yeah. to see him be able to do that. 
and still make you know Bigfoots and things right. like that that he does, right? <laughs> right. So that's that's very important for what we do. And many of the companies that we don't necessarily have a direct competitor, but we have many companies that are companies or whatever, <laughs> friend, fr- you know, friend- frenemies. Yeah. Um, and those companies all they have to either have on staff or they have access to a berry type mm-hmm. of capability. Mm-hmm. You have to. You look at, I mean, you know, you, you are, um, I think when you talk about the employees that you have and you you're clearly want to grow, um, you know, what what is next for you guys when it comes to um, growth? And, 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 and you're talking about new markets, maybe you don't want to talk about too much about that, but, mm-hmm. but what, what is next for you well, guys? Well, I think immediately <clears throat> next is um, the commercialization, commercialization of these products. So mm-hmm. we've gotten what you call um, small business innovative research grants. Okay. Yeah. This is a special kind yeah. of DOD contract that allows the small business to uh, develop technology and keep that intellectual property. Hmm. And so we are now um, further along into one than the other, but commercializing those two products and selling them um, and determining whether we manufacture, mass manufacture in-house, mm-hmm. meaning we grow in that way in manufacturing, right. which doesn't appeal to me, right? Um, or, what, or what strategic alliances we form with partners that can do that kind right. of thing. Right, right. Um, and so we're in the process of figuring out who does what and what that work split would be. And who those ideal partners are. Do you so guys that's de- our next area. Do you guys design and manufacture or just design right now? Both. Both, we okay. Do both, yeah. okay. We do most manufacturing in-house because it's mostly uh, low-rate production yeah. or uh, prototyping. Yeah. But we do a lot of 3D. That's the other area of growth for us is scanning okay. and 3D printing. Um, we do tons of 3D printing um, for all sorts of purposes. Uh, it's so, uh, It's just so useful for a business like ours. When you look at, um, can you talk to me a little bit, if you have any any um, suggestions, I mean, obviously, I'm not saying you're the perfect, the greatest expert in the world on this, but you do, you do know how to navigate a DOD contract system, right? Mm-hmm. For startups out there, mm-hmm. what would you suggest, how would you suggest they go about, I mean, obviously, not everybody's uh, going to do DOD stuff, but in general, there's there's RFPs for many industries out there. I mean, what, what would you suggest? So, there are actually some... Uh, free and available search engines yeah. where you can put in keywords and run those keywords and have them email you directly every day, hmm. uh, new opportunities. So the first thing I think is awareness. Yeah. And it would be tapping into that, and it's called, I mean, I could send it to you. Yeah, sure. Federal Business Opportunities. I think it's uh, fbo.gov. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can set up those search and search terms for yourself and have a whole account that you set up for free. So getting an idea of what's out there. Um, that also tells you when things are awarded, so you know who's getting awarded, what kinds of contracts. Yeah. That's also very helpful. That would be the first. I That's think because then you can see the business that are kind of similar to you. and, and Right. Yeah. And you could actually start uh, calling them, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, the other thing is outreach. Um, it's uh, building a brand, and building a brand is not just you know, social media and smoke and mirrors that mm-hmm. we talked about. Yeah. Uh, it's actually going to some of these, in, in our case, here in town. We have yeah. lots of um, industrial organizations that are uh, that they get together, yeah. going to listen to them, going to get used to their culture, learning how they dress, yeah. learning how they speak, uh, in a way that you can become more comfortable to engage them. You need to engage them, I, I otherwise feel, you won't grow. I feel like the 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 most important and probably impactful meetups are the ones that are not on meetup.com. <laughs> They're the ones that you meet, you figure out through networking where they where they're meeting and what yeah, they're doing. Yeah, and and I will tell you, I mean that I. To be fair, the modeling, simulation, and training uh, industry mm. here is not young. Right. Okay, we're, we're older. And the meetup thing is not something that many of us do unless we've been divorced and looking for fun things to do with right. other adults. I mean, right. that's the reality. Right. So um, 
where I think that there's a lot going on town activity wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure how much there is revenue wise. Right. And I think there's a huge opportunity uh, for those companies and those startups to start becoming engaged, but they have to become actively engaged mm-hmm. in this community on the east side of town uh, where there's probably a lot of opportunity for them to get subcontracting yeah. opportunity, get consulting work so you don't have to live off of your credit card. I mean, there's all sorts of things. I mean, subcontract to me sounds like a like a, like a a perfect bridge into some oh, industry yeah. because you... That's how we, I do it. Yeah. That's how you do it. What you do is you get a subcontract, number one, to get some income. Yeah, right. Income is key. Cash is king. Yeah. Um, and then the second is to get the past performance. So you could always reference that I worked on such and such a contract in support of this company, but this is the kind of work that we did and the kind of experience. Hmm. Here's the government contract number and here's the amount and what we did. That kind of stuff is important in order to be able to pursue work directly right. if you get to that point. And if you don't, because there is there are some there is some overhead <coughs> with becoming a direct or a prime contractor. Right. Um, we talked about that too. Structuring your cost accounting system, um, becoming certified to do work in the DoD, uh, getting your all of that stuff. You know, the red ink kind of stuff or red tape done takes time and effort. Right. Um, and if you don't want to do that, you can continue to just subcontract and still survive. And that fuels that fuels your ability to keep a software engineer employed right. full time. And guess what? Maybe a quarter of his time, he could be working on internal things for you, for mm-hmm. your startup. See, and that's and that's that's that to me is I, I like that because it, it is about putting yourself into the ecosystem, right? I mean, there's a, there's a lot of tech downtown that has their ecosystem. There are ecos, but that mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you have to expand that to, to to realize there are other ecosystems in town. Um, I, one last thing, and I've always I've said this since I got here, or very soon after I got here. I think there is um, a lot going on in Orlando. This is not the part where I kiss Orlando's ass, but I do, <laughs> but I do think that there are a lot of like enclaves of different yeah. activity. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you connect those? Because I think I think uh, um, that's what I, I'm not breaking new ground here, but I think that's what what's, what's missing right now is a, is a connecting connective tissue between it. Because we could be a very thriving tech ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Um, because the, the, the multiple enclaves I'm talking about, they are significant, but if they all got together, it would be interesting. There, that is improved. Yeah. So what you see today is probably far better than um, what it's been maybe five years ago. Mm-hmm. But I do agree with you, and I'm, a little, I'm personally a little impatient about it because I, I seek to um, actively track what's going on in the downtown area, mm-hmm. even though it doesn't intersect with what's going on in my professional life, right? right? Um, and I have tried to do that now, and this is not where I plug, okay? Sure, sure. Now as the chamber uh, board chair, uh, I've been trying to work actively with the OEP, and the OEP is looking at this. Orlando Economic Partnership. Sorry, the course, Orlando yeah. Economic uh, Partnership. Um, Tim Giuliani mm-hmm. and both John Davis. This is one of the things that we've been having conversations about, and how do we do this? Because it's more than just OTA Church Street and modeling simulation and training and research park. Right. There's the whole optics stuff. Mm-hmm. There's what's going on at Bridge. There's so many opportunities. I mean, just, just the power of being able to pump out how many engineering students out of the universities in this area. If you can capture 50% of them. You're, talking, you're looking at The talent pool here yeah. is so different than it was when I was at Indra. I mentioned before I was at Indra. I would have to pay headhunters $25,000 a year to find me somebody. Hmm. Okay? Yeah. We don't have that problem anymore. That in itself is so powerful because other companies will come and relocate mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. But we do have to become active community leaders, and I consider you one of those because yeah. you're out there communicating for us. 
but we have to be active. I'll pay you afterward. <laughs> we have to be um, actively looking and connecting, but in true meaningful ways, not just right. on what's going to make cool headlines and say, oh, yeah, Orlando's the new Silicon Valley. That's right. not right. That, to me, is not meaningful and powerful. It's the true, like, Carlos Carbonell and mm -hmm. I are right now trying to figure out a way in which we can actually work together, bridging simulation with, you know, the downtown mm -hmm. and figuring out, you know what, I'm willing to share a piece of my pie, he's willing to share a piece of his pie so that we can collaborate and start that relationship. And, you know, that takes a lot of time and trust, and it takes a merger of two different cultures. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. way he bids work and the way I bid work are very different. So it has to be an effort in which um, all parties are actively involved in trying to do that. I see benefit to my community at large in something like that happening, mm -hmm. and so I'm willing to invest in the same with Carlos, right, because he sees it as an opportunity to sustain the kind of talent that he needs, the same thing for me, right. but if we can work together and pursue things together, then we have a more powerful voice. Well, Sorry. all right then. <laughs> um, no, I, I appreciate you uh, joining me. Um, I hope you know uh, to, to follow up, uh, whether it's in my capacity as a reporter or with this later on as, as things develop. And, and uh, so, Angela, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you.